Hello. A Bible reading this morning is taken from James chapter 1, verses 12 to 18. Can I encourage you to push pause on this video, go and have a read of that passage of Scripture, and then come back. So it's James chapter 1, verses 12 to 18. The burden of the book of James is the burden of encouragement. Now, you might not think that that's much of a burden. I mean, what burden is encouragement? But, but that is what is on his heart. That is what he is concerned about. That is what he is striving so hard towards. Right at the end of the book of James, we read in chapter 5, verse 19, My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So that's what is at the heart of why James is writing. He doesn't want Christians to fall away. And those that are perhaps in danger of doing just that, he wants them to be brought back. I think he's the, the brother bringing them back. Maybe he's the brother today who's bringing you back. And so that's his burden, uh, to encourage us to encourage us in the face of the temptations that the world puts in front of us, uh, to encourage us in the face of afflictions and trials, uh, to call us to patient endurance, uh, to encourage us to believe that trials can be turned to our good, to draw back the curtain uh, so that we can see that God is working in us, to refine us and to purify us uh, and to transform us into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. He encourages us towards prayer. He calls us to a, a joyful acceptance of the different events that we will face during the course of our lives. And he encourages us time and time again to look, hopefully, towards the future. The, the, what James is trying to put across to us is this. If you spend, if you get to spend eternity with the Lord in heaven, then all of the trials that you will face in this life will be worth it. Because in verse 12 we read that, the, that, that blessed is the one so this is the one who uh, God smiles upon. This is the one who God deems to be uh, truly fortunate. This is the one who is truly favored by God, blessed. Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. That is where James is trying to get us to fixate, to fix our eyes onto that point in the future in order that we might face the trials that he's spoken of in the previous verses. In actual fact, in verses 9 to 11, he speaks of one particular form of trial, uh, the trial of um, having and not having. Uh, there are two sides of the same coin. He says to the, the brother or the sister who's facing a circumstance where they don't have, remember uh, that you are rich. Uh, boast in your exaltation. You are spiritually wealthy, physically poor, but spiritually you have all the treasures of God in heaven. And to the person who has 
And having can be as big a trial, if not a bigger trial, than not having. Strange way to think about things, but not having, uh, having is also a form of trial. Uh, because what will you do with all that you have? That's the trial that you face. And James says that the rich person should boast in their humiliation. He likens it to the, the, the sun rising and scorching and the wind coming and drying up the glass, the grass and the flower falling and the beautiful appearance perishing. And in the same way, the rich person will wither away while pursuing his activities. So don't exalt yourself in your wealth. Don't glory in your possessions. Rather, see them as the trial that they are and glory in God. Remember that your um, spiritual uh, riches and wealth is of much greater value than anything you might obtain in this world. And it's in that light that he says, endure the trial, having or not having, or whatever other trial it is that you might face, endure it. Because when you have passed the test, when you have stood through the test, what is the end goal? Well, the end goal is receiving the crown, the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. You see, it, what, what, when we endure trials, we've got to understand, when we, our endurance of trials is actually an act of loving God. It is a form of faithful obedience. So we endure the trials, remaining faithfully obedient to God out of love for him because he first loved us and gave his son for us. Then we carry on. So in verse 13, uh, we carry on reading, and, and James introduces us uh, to something new. He introduces us to something new in his letter, but something not new in this world. He talks about the problem of good and evil. The problem of good and evil that he faced back then, that his readers faced in the first century, and that we face today. And what he picks up on when he uh, talks about evil is, what is the source of evil? Where does evil come from? Now, our world has gotten really good at basically saying, God is the source of evil. Whenever anything bad happens, that is God's fault. Why did God allow this to happen? And we've gotten really, really good at when good things happen. Well, that's humanity's fault. When good stuff happens, look at how far humanity has come. So we attribute evil to God, and we attribute good to humanity. And James says, actually, that isn't the case at all. God is in no way responsible for evil in the world and for the evil that we do as humans. In actual fact, God is the source of all that is good. And so he picks up in verse 13, that when you are undergoing uh, trial, and he's now moving more into the good and evil debate, so he's moving into the idea of temptation. When you're facing a trial, no one should say, I am being tempted by God. All right, so there you have, okay? Temptation comes, evil comes, and we say, that's God's fault, God is tempting me. Or we might say, well, God made me like this, and therefore I am being tempted. But whatever we do, we try and shift the blame. It's an age-old problem. Uh, we see it in ourselves, we see it in our children. We see it back in Genesis 3, where Adam says, Eve gave me the fruit. Eve said, the snake gave me the fruit. And so that's just this thing that we do as human beings. We're always looking for someone else to blame in the situation. And so James knows that. And so when you're being tempted, don't say that you're being tempted by God. Why? Well, for two reasons. 
The first one is because God is not tempted. Okay? God is not tempted. The nature and the character of God is that he cannot be tempted. Evil has no purchase on God. God is never tempted to do evil, neither is he ever tempted to do evil to us. God cannot be moved by or induced by any wrongdoing. There's no desire in him. He's not cruel. Uh, he doesn't bring evil into your life. So when you're tempted, don't say that this thing is of God because he can't be tempted. He has no desire for evil. It, it, it does not impose itself on him the way that it imposes itself on us. It doesn't get into him. It doesn't draw him. It has no allure for him and it doesn't entice him. You know, one Puritan author said that the sun may shine on a sewer um, without ever being smeared. The sun may shine on a sewer without ever being smeared. So God understands evil. He illuminates evil. He exposes evil. He can even use evil so that to, to, evil doesn't stop him. It doesn't thwart him. And he can even use evil to accomplish his purposes. So think of the story of Joseph. He says in Genesis chapter 50, what you intended for evil, God meant for good. When you think about Jesus on the cross, he gets crucified. What humans meant for evil, God intends for good. So he can even uh, use evil, but he's not evil. He's never surprised by evil. It doesn't impact him, except that he has a desire that it be removed and destroyed. That is what God is working towards. But the second reason isn't just that, um, that God is not tempted by evil, but it's also because he himself doesn't tempt anyone. He's not a tempter. He's not the tempter. He does not desire evil uh, for himself. He doesn't desire evil for anyone. He doesn't desire evil uh, for you. If you're being drawn into evil, God is not part of that. When he tests you and send trials, you think back to two, verses, chapter 1, verses 2 to 12. When trials come, he's testing you so that you will seek Christ and make progress um, and obtain that lasting treasure, that crown of life. But when temptation comes, that's something altogether different. And the temptation, we're told in verse 14, he tells us exactly where it comes from. It comes from within. So in other words, James says, stop trying to blame someone else for evil and for your temptation and look at where it's actually coming from. It's coming from inside of you. Now, James was Jesus' half-brother, uh, and he seems to, in this letter, talk a lot about the stuff that Jesus taught in the Gospels. And this is exactly what Jesus said in Mark chapter 7 where he spoke about how it's actually not what goes into the body that makes us unclean and evil, it's what comes out of the heart. And so James explains a little bit more about that. Here's what happens. Each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. So don't go looking to blame someone else or blame God. It's coming from inside you. It's coming from your own desires. And what happens is that what's going on inside of you um, gets an opportunity outside of you. Now, let me just talk a little bit about some of those desires are. Uh, they may not be the obvious ones that you're thinking of straight off uh, out of your head. Um, 
we all have within us a desire uh, or the propensity for autonomy, uh, for independence, for uh, self-gratification, uh, for self-indulgence. And, and when the desire inside of us meets an opportunity outside of us, well then we're dragged away and we are enticed and we're allured. That, you know, and there might be, a, it's like almost that, that lure, allure, lure, the, uh, the fishing language uh, of the bait, the fishing lure. Um, the, the fish is hungry. It has a desire to eat. It sees something that looks like food. It grabs onto it, only there is a deadly hook on the inside of the bait. That's a little bit of what is being pictured here, is that what is inside and then what is outside come together. And James actually uses the language of conception. Uh, they conceive, okay? These two come together and they conceive, and what they conceive and what is given birth to is sin. And the reason why this is so incredibly dangerous, James spells out, is because when that love child, sin, uh, from what's inside and what's outside is fully grown, well then that gives birth to death. And not just the expiring kind of death, the eternal separation death. Remember, James is wanting to turn a sinner back from the error of his ways. Maybe he's thinking about people that have been tempted and have given into temptation, and he's trying to call them back. I'll say two things about that in a second, but what he's getting at here is he wants them to inherit the crown of life. He wants them to spend eternity with God in heaven. Now, the two things that I want to say about that is this. Number one, temptation in and of itself isn't a sin. We're told in Hebrews chapter 4 that Jesus was tempted in every way, just like we are, just like you and I are, but he was without sin. So the temptation isn't the sin. It's when we give into the temptation and the two come together that sin is given birth to. So temp your temptation isn't a sin. You can fight that. You can war against that. But what I also want to say is that, is that if you have given into temptation, that isn't the end of you. If you are ongoing and continually and repeating, giving, repeating, repeatedly giving yourself into temptation, friends, that is a problem. And James is calling us back from that. He is calling us away from that because you are going down a road that leads to death. You are going down a road where you will not receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And so he's calling you back and he's calling you back and he's calling you back. He's saying, don't blame God, take responsibility. The first step in coming back from temptation is to take responsibility and to repent and to turn and to cry out to God. It, you know, it, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray to our Heavenly Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So there you've got, you know, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but when I have given myself to evil, deliver me from it because you can. Temptation is not a sin, and giving into sin is not the end of the road. You can still come back to God. So what does he go on to say? Well, in verse 16, he says, don't be deceived. That's what's at play here. Deception is at play here in your life. Brothers and sisters, don't be deceived, but know this. Every good and perfect gift is from above. It's coming down from the Father of lights. That's a phrase that's unique to James. 
And, and it's a phrase that talks about God who is the creator of the sun and the moon and the stars. But he's also the one who gives light. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the father of the heavenly lights. Uh, and he illuminates and gives knowledge uh, to his children. So he gives these good and perfect gifts to us. And it's important because he doesn't give us evil. Remember, they were blaming God for evil. God doesn't give us evil. He gives us good. It comes down from him. That's what he desires for us. And what's more than that, he doesn't change. He's not moody. He's not uh, shifty. He, he's not moved by evil. Um, he is unchanging in all of his ways. There's no turning. He doesn't decide one day that he wants to stop giving these good things to us and he's going to rather give us evil instead. You know, think about Jesus saying, what, what father when um, his child asks for bread gives him, a, gives him a stone? Or when he asks for a fish, he gives him a scorpion? How much more your father in heaven? How much more your father in heaven? And what's more, and friends, again, here's this encouragement to us to know how precious we are to God that by his own choice, verse 18, by his choice, okay, he chose to give us birth. How much, um, how much were you involved in your conception and giving birth? Not at all. It's the same here. God is the one who by his own choice gave us birth birth by the word of truth, by the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ of salvation, to repent and to believe the good news that God's promise is true and the forgiveness of sins are at hand. Now, if he's done all of that, can you begin to understand why he's calling us back from temptation, not to give into it, why he's uh, calling us to this crown of life, why he's calling us to love him. And can you also recognize that actually he is the one at work. He would never bring evil into your life to cause you to fall away. That the one who's going to trip you up and mess you up is you yourself. And so he's calling us to take responsibility for that and to stop playing the blame game. He doesn't want us to mess it up. He's not going to let us mess it up. It's why he's uh, bringing these things out. He he, by his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we might be the kind of first fruit of his creatures. God is not going to mess this up. And if you keep on casting yourself and throwing yourself onto him, trusting in him and relying on him and depending on him, he's not going to let you mess this up either. Friends, don't think for one single moment that God is evil. God is not evil. He is good. And he wants what is best for you. He wants, uh, you know, he, and, and, and this call for us to take responsibility for the lies and the deception that we tell ourselves, he is exalting in our lives Jesus. You see, when we take responsibility for our temptation and for our sin and for our failings, we can appreciate uh, Jesus Christ that much more. We can understand uh, that he is that much greater. So friends, don't try to credit God uh, and uh, blame him. 
recognize that the greatest gift that He has given us is new birth, to become a part of His family, to know that we are the first fruits of the great harvest that we are bringing about. Can I call you to be alert in your life, at this time especially, for the same temptations that you will face, but that they will come in all kinds of different forms. Know, friends, uh, that, that you're only, you know, we sometimes feel that our only option when temptation comes to release the pressure is to yield to that temptation. That's a lie. That's what it means to be deceived. Don't deceive yourselves. Because that, that, that temptation that is just so glistening and uh, glamoury today uh, that catches your eye, it won't glisten like that tomorrow. Temptations come and temptations go. What tempted you as a young person won't tempt you as an older person. But, and what tempts you as an older person wouldn't have tempted you when you were a younger person. So be alert. Be alert and know yourself. Know God. He gives all good things. He does not tempt you. And He is not Himself tempted. Know God and seek His help. Seek His help in the process. Seek His help in the process to put temptation down, to recognize that desire in yourself, to not become enticed uh, by those things in order that you, that, that you would come together with them and, and conceive sin that would ultimately lead to death. Seek His help to kill that evil process. Pray, just like Jesus taught us to. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Friends, God has given us all that we need uh, for life, for eternal life. So let me go back to uh, where I opened up, where I uh, began with us. If you knew that you were going to spend all eternity in heaven with the Lord, which you can know and you do know, will that change the way that you think about and deal with temptations when they come into your life? James is the brother who's calling us back to the truth. And I pray this morning that each one of us will be called back to the truth. That when we are tempted, we will cast ourselves on God, the giver of all good things, and not give in to the temptation, the desire that is at work in our sinful natures that's trying to kill us. Would you bow with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we desperately need your help. We are tempted in so many ways. Father, deliver us from evil, we pray. May we never attribute evil to you, but only that which is good. And as we understand both you and ourselves better, we pray that you would help us to love you in order that having been having been loved by you, we might receive the crown of life that you have promised. 
Father, help us to see eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.